Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our sermon series from 1 Samuel, A Personal God. We hope that this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. So take your Bible, and let's go to 1 Samuel chapter number 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30 this morning, and uh, if you've been with us, we've been traveling through the book of 1 Samuel, realizing a number of different characters. Uh, the, the last character we've been following is uh, the character of David, and we've been traveling with the life of David, this one who is anointed king as just a young shepherd boy, uh, but then because of the providence of God, he rose in rank, uh, but as he rose in rank, he also rose in the hatred of others. Uh, people began to despise David, one of them in particular being King Saul, and so we've been traveling as David has been running from his life, running for his life from Saul, whose spirit was uh, motivated by uh, jealousy. Saul, whose heart was uh, really it was con- completely consumed with pride. Saul was a proud man, jealous of David's. Uh, um, popularity, if I could say it that way. If you remember, they come up with a song. The song was, uh, Saul has slain his thousands, David has slain his ten thousands, and the hyperbole there after David versus Goliath, and David was made general, and Saul and him were close, but then Saul began to just be jealous. And we have already seen that pride in Saul's heart. And let me just tell you this morning that when pride takes place in your life, uh, the only person The only person who thinks they're benefiting from pride is the person with pride, but they're not benefiting from pride at all. Uh, I read yesterday in a book that I'm reading uh, that someone who allows pride to come into their life, uh, they're often left alone. And that's the, that's the truth in our life, that pride only isolates us from others. And I hope that this morning that your heart would be, God, I just want to humble my life before you. That was not Saul's heart. Because of his pride, he pursued David, tried to kill him multiple times. And we've seen as David really, uh, <clears throat> David has kind of been up and down, hasn't he? He's been this man who at one point is loving God and following God. But then last week we were with David as he listened to his own heart. 1 Samuel chapter number 27, David said within his own heart, there is nothing better for me than that I should flee, really flee God's presence and go to the land of the Philistines and Saul won't search for me there. And so David, we watched last week, if you were here, how many of you remember that last week? You remember this? Okay. Uh, if you're here, you'll remember that last week, David fled. He went into Gath, to the land of the Philistines, to Achish, the king of Gath. And as David was there, as David was there, it seemed that God was blessing his decision, didn't it? It seemed that everything was working out well, but then for 16 months, David was fleeing the very presence of God. And after those 16 months, David came face to face with a decision that would really, uh, really dictate the direction of his life because he was presented with the option of going to war with the Philistines against Israel, the country he's supposed to be the up and coming king for. And we saw last week in 1 Samuel 29 as God providentially saved David from, from going to war with his own people. Well, on his way back from war, David enters back into, 1 Samuel chapter 30, enters back into Ziklag. 
Ziklag is the city that he's been dwelling in for the last 16 months. And as he comes to this spot in Ziklag, he finds Ziklag burned and his family and all the people's families taken captive. They're all gone. And the word of God tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse number 6, verses 5 and 6, and really even starting in verse number 4, that we find David and his men at probably, and I think, I think we could go and do some research and find this to be true, they're at probably the lowest point of their lives. I personally believe that 1 Samuel chapter 30 is a turning point in David's life. Because David is at the lowest point. And last week we, we took time to realize what do you do when things go from bad to worse? Because that's where David was. We asked three questions. Number one, how did I get here? David got there because of his fear, his bad choices. But then he also got there because of unexpected circumstances. And don't we know that our fear can drive us to make some poor choices, but along the way, there are going to be times when unexpected circumstances just happen. I mean, things just happen that you weren't expecting. Things just happen that you say, I wasn't planning for this to happen. How did I get here? David got to the place of complete discouragement, complete distress because of fear, because of poor choices, but also because of unexpected circumstances. How did I get here? Second question we asked is, what am I missing? What was David missing in all of this? If we, and I won't take time to re-preach the message, but David was missing God at work. Man, the whole time God was working behind the scenes and David was just looking right over it. His own, uh, his own pride was allowing him to look right over the very handiwork of God. And sometimes if we're not careful, sometimes you and I miss what God is trying to do because of our own pride. Can I encourage you? Back to humility. Don't miss what God is trying to do in your life because of pride. What was he missing? He was missing God at work. And then they, we answered the, the third question was, what must I do? Here I am at this place of discouragement, this place of distress. Things have gone from bad to worse. What must I do? And we discovered it in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse number 6, where it says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. David encouraged himself in the Lord. What did he do? You know what David did? David remembered, I need to turn back to God. Three things he recognized. He realized he had a resource available in God that wasn't available anywhere else. And we've said it recently that we'll run out of resources in this life, but you'll never run out of resources in Jesus. He will always have the grace. He will always have the wisdom. He will always have the encouragement. He will always have the strength. He has everything you need exactly when you need it. There is a resource available in God, and David knew it. David also realized he needed to recall some lessons that God was speaking to him about. Hey, David, stop scheming and start praying. David, you're trying to work out your own situation. Stop doing that. Hey, David, you need to ask God for some direction and avoid your own decisions. Hey, David, you need to submit to his plan and stop trying to write your own plan. But then we also understood last week that the real reason David could encourage himself in the Lord is found in that phrase, but David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. 
David remembered, I have a relationship with God. You see, God's not some dictator, right? That's what the world and religion wants to make God out to be. Hey, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. Hey, zap, 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 I don't like you, you know. That's what, the, that's what religion turns God into. But David remembered, you know what? He's interested more in my heart. I'm turning back to him. And so we found David last week coming to this place where he found out, I need to run to him. And can I encourage you that in times in your life when you find distress and discouragement, you need to run to him. Just turn to him. As we pick up this week, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter number 30. And I want to ask you, before we get to the, the message this morning, I just want to ask you a question. Have you ever listened to kids as they try to create the game they're going to play? In our neighborhood, it's a common occurrence of hearing kids argue. And you say, why is that? There's tons of kids in our neighborhood. There are a ton of kids. I remember one time I looked out and I counted our three kids. And then I think there was probably uh, eight or nine other kids out there. And there'll be times I'll be sitting on the front porch, maybe reading in the evening or Hannah and I'll just be sitting there talking, drinking a cup of coffee or something. And, and we just hear voices. And, my, and I'm not talking about the voices you hear inside your head. I, I hear those at times too, but those are different. No, uh, you know what we'll hear is we'll just hear kids talking and but we hear them arguing. But you know what kids always do? They try to talk over each other. Right? It's like, hey, I have a great idea. We should. And as soon as, you know, child A starts speaking, child B is like, no, 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 I got a better idea. Child C is like, no, I got a better idea. You know, and they're like yelling over each other and talking over each other. And one says, well, I think we should play superheroes. And one's, no, 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 we should jump on the trampoline. Well, I think we should. And they're just getting louder and louder and louder. And we'll watch and I'll listen. And I'm like, you guys are missing out on fun playing together because you're just arguing. Like, stop and listen to each other. And we'll pull, I'll pull them in. Micah, dude, just chill and listen to somebody else right now. Lena, hey, stop and listen. Dennis, listen. I'll tell the neighborhood kids, hey, you guys, everybody let one person talk. And you know what usually happens when they let one person talk? They come up with a great idea and they have a great time. That's usually how it works out. When, when they quit talking over and finally listen to each other, it is then and only then they experience the blessings of playing together. As we come to 1 Samuel chapter number 30, we're going to see that principle applied in regards to our relationship with God. Because here is the truth. You and I often try to talk over the Lord. Well, Lord, no, I have this plan. Hey, here's what I want. No, God, I... And we, we try to talk over the Lord. But when we'll stop and finally listen, it is then and only then that we can experience the blessings of walking with God. This is a lesson that David is learning, and we're going to watch this morning what happens when we stop talking over God. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Stand with me if you would, and uh, we're going to go to the... Um, 
1 Samuel 30. It says 27 on there, but just disregard that. It is chapter 30. I just didn't change that heading. 1 Samuel chapter 30, and we're going to read a few different places, okay? 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse number 6, down through verse number 9. Here's what we read. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David said unto Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David, and overtake them. And he, God, shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he, God, answered him, David, pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David went, he and, his, and the 600 men that were with him, and came to the brook Besor, where those that were left behind stayed. All right, so David gets back from Zik to Ziklag. They find the city in destruction. David turns to God. God directs David, hey, pursue them. Notice what takes place. Skip down to verse 17. David and his men, they pursued the Amalekites, and they finally found them. Verse 17. And David smote them from the twilight even unto the evening of the next day, and there escaped not a man of them, save 400 young men which rode upon camels and fled. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. Skip down to verse number 22. Verse 22, now they've come back to the 200 that were left at the brook Besor. We'll see this in a second. Verse 22, then answered all the wicked men and men of Belial. When it says men of Belial in the scripture, it, it usually is referring to men of low character. Men who uh, maybe they do worship Belial, worship false gods, but they are just uh, kind of the, the lowest of the low. They are looked upon as low because they have no character. Here's what they say. It says, um, verse 22 again, Then answered all the wicked men and men of Belial of those that went with David. And they said, Because they went not with us, we will not give them aught of the spoil which, uh, that we have recovered, save to every man his wife and his children, that they may lead them away and depart. Hey, hey, these 200 guys, they didn't go with us. They don't deserve any of the spoil. Notice what David says. Then said David, Ye shall not do so, my brethren, with that which the Lord hath given us, who hath preserved us and delivered the company that came against us into our hand. For who will hearken unto you in this matter? But as his part is that goeth down to the battle, so shall his part be that tarrieth by the stuff. They shall part alike. Now we kind of jumped around and there's a lot that takes place in this passage before us today, but the one thing that I want us to see that we're going to really connect through it all is this simple thought that when we stop talking over to God, talking over God, when we finally listen to him, God does some incredible things in our lives. He brings real blessing into our life, and sometimes the blessing may not look like we think it should, but God promises, listen to this, God promises to bless those who pursue his will. God promises to bless those who pursue, go after his will. Let's pray and then learn more about that. God, we thank you for the day. Lord, I thank you so much for your love in our lives, for who you are, for what you have for us. And God, I pray that this morning 
Father, that you would help us. I pray, God, that you would speak into my life this morning and speak through me. I pray, God, for everyone that's here. Lord, would you meet the specific need of each heart. God, would you challenge us today? We love you and we thank you for your love. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. As we come to our passage in 1 Samuel chapter number 30, what we find taking place is David, he has been in Ziklag. From Ziklag, he went all the way to Afek. You don't see Afek on the, on the map that we have on the screen, but right where Gath is at the top, Afek would be just a few miles above Gath. And so David has been up there. They return to Ziklag. When they get to Ziklag, they find everything taking place decimated. And the scripture tells us that they travel south. They travel south to the brook Besor. They split off, 400 go after the Amalekites from the brook Besor, 200 are left there. They pursue them down into, you can look over here where it says the Amalekites, that's the area they would have been in, and that's the area that David recovers all. He recovers all, comes back, and David then is a blessing to everybody else. So what takes place in David's life that would help us see When we stop talking over God, God begins to bless and work in our lives. What is it in David's life or in this story that helps us see that God blesses when we pursue his will? I want you to see, first of all, some thoughts with me today and understand that when you stop talking over God, when you begin walking with the Lord, when you begin finally listening to him again, first, you're going to seek him in your decisions. When you stop talking over God, there is going to be a desire for God's will and God's plan in your life. Notice this in our passage in 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse number 8. David had found encouragement in the Lord, and it says this, that David inquired at the Lord. That phrase, inquired at the Lord, simply means that David is saying, okay, God, what do you want? All right, God, what is it now that you would have me to do? He asks a simple, a simple question, two questions that David asked. Shall I pursue this troop and shall I overtake them? Basically, David is simply saying, hey, God, do you want me to go after the enemy? God, what is your will? God, what is your plan? And I want us to notice that not only is David asking for God's will and God's plan, But by the terminology, shall I pursue, shall I overtake them, that terminology, it simply shows us that David is asking in surrender. He's not saying, hey, God, here's exactly what I want to do. He's saying, God, what do you want? I surrender to your plan. Lord, I want what you want. I don't want to act on my own. God, I want your will in my decision." If you think about it, if you've been with us for the last few weeks, this is the first time in a long time that we find David doing this. As a matter of fact, for at least the last 16 months, we don't have record of David seeking the Lord at all while he was in Ziklag or in the land of Gath. As a matter of fact, um, Bible scholars, those who study out much of David's life, they cannot attribute a single psalm written by David during these 16 months. It's almost as if, I mean, you think about all the Psalms. We were in Psalm 34 and 52 and 56 and 57 that David had written when he was first started. It's almost as if David pushed pause on his relationship with God. 
But I want to point something out to us this morning, and I hope you won't miss it. Do you know who had the ability to push the play button again? It was David. How did he push the play button? Well, he probably had to do a bunch of sacrifices, and he probably had to uh, go out and do... No. Now, you know how he pushed the play button? David inquired at the Lord. He just simply turned back to him. Can I tell you right now, the only thing that hinders you... Well, no, let me rephrase that. The one thing that hinders you the most from having a fulfilled life with God and in his will, the one thing that hinders you the most is you. You have the ability. You have the ability to have a thriving, alive relationship with God. How, pastor? Inquire at the Lord. So what is David doing? He's now inquiring at the Lord. Hey, God, what is your will? God, what is your plan? Can I just tell you today that when you and I, when we stop talking over the Lord, we are going to desperately want his will, his plan, and his direction. When we stop talking over him, you know what we're going to do? We're going to turn back to him and say, God, what do you want? It's not going to be about what we want, but instead, what does he want? God, what would you have me to do with this job? Lord, what, what is your plan in this marriage? God, how would you have me manage my finances? Lord, what is your plan with my business? What is your plan with uh, your direction in my relationship? What's your plan with this move? Hey, God, how would you have me to worship you? Hey, God, how would you have me to go to church? Hey, God, how, what kind of a spirit would you want in me when I'm greeting others in Christ? Hey, God, what do you want? Can I ask you a hard question this morning? When's the last time, when's the last time that you really inquired at the Lord? Oh, we pray our will often. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe you don't, I do. I pray my will too often. All right, God, here's what I want. Are you okay with that? When's the last time we said, God, what's your will in this situation? God, I want to humble my heart and submit to seek your direction. I hope you understand this morning that we need to stop just going through our days being consumed by our own agenda never giving a second thought to what the Lord might have for us. Instead, we need to humble our hearts, seek him, seek his direction and his decisions, or in my decisions. I'm gonna tell you also this morning, you gotta remember that God's will will always match up with God's word. They will always go together. God is never going to direct you in a way that doesn't coincide with what he has given you in the word of God. And as a matter of fact, God will usually direct you in his will through his word. One of the best ways to find God's plan in my life is not only to simply submit to him, but to submit through the scriptures. God, what do you want? And what does your word say about this situation? If I'm going to be a person who is seeking God's will in my life and his will for my decisions, 
I've got to be a person who's consistently in the word of God. You see, God doesn't speak to us in visions and dreams like he used to. That's how he spoke to David. God speaks to us through his word. But you know how we read the Bible sometimes? We read the Bible thinking, oh, that verse really applies to them. (laughs) Boy, I wish they would get a hold of this one. Boy, I wish they. You know what my heart needs to be? God, I want your will through your word in my life. Hey, when you stop talking over God, you know what's going to happen? You'll begin to seek him in your decisions. What else will begin to happen? Can I tell you this? You'll receive his direction. You'll receive his direction. God is not interested in playing hide-and-go-seek with his will in your life. He's not interested in that. That's what some people think. They think that God is going, okay, I have this great plan for you. Okay, (laughs) now come find it. God's not doing that. No, God is saying, oh, I don't know. There's some great verses. How about Matthew 7, 7? Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. How about James 1, 5? If any of you lack wisdom, I'll be given him. Hey, God said, if you seek me, I am going to show up. Yeah, I like that. You ever had somebody cancel an appointment? I've had that happen. I've, I've had to cancel appointments before, and, and those things take place. But have you ever had somebody just stand you up? You know, I mean, just not show up? Unfortunately, I've probably done that to somebody too, man. You just forget about it or whatever. But it is, it is a drag when you have an appointment with somebody and they don't show. Can I tell you that God says, hey, if you make an appointment with me, I'll show up every time. You'll receive his direction. Where do we see the reception of direction in this portion of scripture? I see it in verse number uh, nine. Oh no, excuse me, verse number seven. Let's go there. Nope, verse eight. Let's just keep moving around. We're gonna go nine, six, seven, five. Let's go to verse eight. David inquired of the Lord saying, uh, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he, listen, he, this is God, answered David. That stands out. God answered David and said, pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Verse number nine, it starts by saying, so David went. Do you want to know why the Bible says David went? It's because God gave him direction. David submitted and said, God, what's your will? And God showed up and said, pursue. Hey, David, I'm going to give the troop to you. I'm going to uh, let you overtake them. This was God's will. It was God's plan. And if you look at it, God gave David a promise. He says, I promise you that you, without fail, Without fail, verse number eight, you without fail will recover all. David, you will get everything back. And God gave David that promise. And so you know what you find in verse number nine? David saddles up and heads out. And who goes with him? All 600. Now that should maybe stand out to us a little bit. And here's why. Just a few minutes before this, all 600 were talking about stoning David. Think about that. Now, some would say, well, these guys were just wishy-washy. I don't believe that. No, I don't believe that at all. You know what I believe? I believe the fact that God's word and his promises have the power to change the hearts of men. 
Hey, God's word and his promises, they can change. Hey, guys, listen, I just sought God. God, and God showed up. I asked God what we should do. God showed up and God told me that we will recover all. Now, guys, do you believe God? Yeah, we believe God. Let's go. Hey, let's go. And now these 600 who were going to stone him, now they're saying, all right, we can follow this guy. Why? Because God's word, God's promises, it has the power to change the hearts of men. And so these guys, they pursue with David. Can I tell you, they didn't pursue knowing everything. God didn't tell them where the Amalekites were. God didn't tell them uh, how they were going to find the Amalekites. God didn't tell them how they were going to overtake the Amalekites. God just said, I'm giving you a promise that you will recover all. Can I tell you this morning real quick that we should live our lives with excitement about the promises of God? is just a side thought, but while God didn't tell them everything, he did make some promises that they could claim. And can I help us understand today that there are promises that God doesn't tell us everything about our lives either, but he does give us some promises that we can claim. I love promises like all things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, Romans chapter 8. I love the promise, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I love the promise, if God be for us, who can be against us? I love the promise, call on me and I will answer thee and show you great and mighty things which you know not. I love the promise that says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. What are those things? Those are promises of God. God didn't say, here's the spotlight on eternity and on the end of the road for you. No, God said, here's a promise. Here's a flashlight for the next step of faith. Will you follow me by faith? Will you take the next step? And this is the exact same place, same thing that took place in the life of David. So David went. He pursued, he and 600. But as soon as they hit that brook Besor, notice what takes place. It says, David pursued, he and 400 men, for 200 abode behind Why'd they abide behind? Because they weren't excited about the promises? Nope. No, they were still excited. They weren't willing to follow David. Nope, they were still willing. What's the writer say? Here's why they couldn't go on. They were so faint that they couldn't go over the brook. These guys, they're tired, they're worn down, they, they can't go on. I mean, they're physically tired, they're emotionally spent. Uh, think of everything they've been going through, all 600 of them. And the Word of God tells us when they hit the brook that one-third of the entire group, they can't go a step further. The phrase, so faint here, it means literally them thinking, if I take another step, I am done. Now, we'll be quick to judge these 200 right? We'll be quick to judge them and say, oh, look at them. Look look at their lack of faith. Oh, look, they couldn't go on. You know what? Before we're quick to judge them, let's recall that sometimes we get very excited about the promises of God at one moment, but then life happens and you just get weary. Did you realize the Brook Besor, it's only 15 miles from Ziklag? It's just a short distance, just a short distance down down the road. And these guys can't go on. Why? Because life hit them. We have a desire. We have the faith. 
But sometimes we just kind of have to stop and rest a little bit. That's where these 200 are. They stop and they rest. But while they rest, David continues. Notice what takes place in verse number 13, or verse number uh, 11. Let's go there. Verse number 11, it says this. It says, and they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and gave him bread and he did eat. They made him drink water. I think I have this on the screen. Now I'm just going back through this. I don't. Let's just go there. Verse number 12. They gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him, for he had eaten no bread nor drunk any water three days and three nights. And David said unto him, To whom belongest thou? Whence art thou? And we'll stop right there, and I'll just tell you what takes place. Here's David, he's pursuing with 400. They come to a servant, an Egyptian servant that's left for dead. They ask him for direction. Hey, what, hey, who are you? They revive him a little bit. They give him uh, figs and water, and they help him revive a little bit. And they say, hey, who are you, and where are you from? And this Egyptian servant says, oh, I'm of the Amalekites. I got sick, and my master cast me off, just left me for dead. We just got done invading a city called Ziklag and some other places, and we were heading home. Now, that's just coincidence, isn't it? That's just coincidence that David, he's trying to go, he's trying to, listen, it's just coincidence that David is following God's will, and it just happens that there's an Egyptian servant there. Can I tell you, that's not, it's not coincidence. Say, Pastor, why didn't God just give them direction at the get-go? You know, why didn't God just say, here's why. Go over the book, be sore. Just keep going and you'll find it. Why didn't God do that? Here's why. Because God desires to show us steps of faith, not the life of faith. God desires, as I said a moment ago, he desires to shine a flashlight on the step instead of a spotlight on the road. He desires for us to live with an unwavering faith. And when you and I quit talking over God and seek him in our decisions, he will give us direction. Why? Because we're taking steps of faith. Well, why does God want us to live with faith? Well, because without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The writer of Hebrews said uh, in Hebrews chapters 10, verse 38 and 39, verse 39 specifically, he says, we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. This is saying, I'm a believer that is following a life of faith. And let me just tell you this morning that God, again, he wants us to trust him in every step, not just the first step. You know what we like to do? We like to trust God in the first step. All right, God, okay, all right, you, you want me to trust you here? I'll trust you. Okay, take me the rest of the way. All right, God, you want me to pursue? Okay, God, I'm gonna get on my horse, direct my horse. That could have been, that could have been David's spirit, right? But it wasn't. It wasn't David's spirit. David's spirit was, all right, God, I'm gonna pursue. I'm gonna get on the horse, and I'm gonna go till you give me one more thing. And then he goes down the road, and he finds a, Egyptian servant. He finds the Egyptian servant. That Egyptian servant shows him the next step. God uses the Egyptian servant to show him the next step. What is David doing? He's living by 
faith. God is not going to shine a spotlight down your road. He wants to shine a flashlight on your next step. So you know what you and I should do? Stop talking over God. Seek him in our decisions. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to receive direction. But look for the small ways that God sends direction. He's not going to send, you know, angels that sing out to you in the morning. Here's what you should do today. There's the special for the day. He's he's not going to do that. No, you know what God's going to do? He's going to bring little things along the way to show you his plan through his word, through godly people in your life. So here's David following God by faith. He's not talking over God anymore, and he's seeking God in his decisions. And since he's not talking over God anymore, he's actually receiving God's direction. And I want you to notice lastly today that when we stop talking over God and finally listen to him, we, like David, will enjoy his deliverance. You know what? We will enjoy blessings. We'll enjoy blessings in life when we stop talking over God. We don't have time to do all of this, but I would encourage you to go read these verses. 1 Samuel 30. I don't know why that says 1 Samuel 1. All the passages got messed up today. That's all right. Look at 1 Samuel 30, verse 16 to 20. And you know what you'll discover? You'll discover that they go in. In verse 17, you know what it tells us about the the Amalekites? The Amalekites, they're partying. And the Amalekites, uh, they're there and they're uh, dancing. And the Bible says that they're spread abroad. This is ideal for David. This is ideal for his men. Why? Because the amount, they're not expecting anything to happen. And you know what David does? David shows up. And I want you to look with me at verse number 18. Verse number 18, it says this, and David recovered all. David recovered all. This is verse 19 and 20. Skip down to the end of verse 19. David recovered all, and David took of all the flocks and the herds, which they drave before those other cattle and said, this is David's spoil. You know what's really interesting about this war on this day? If you go to verse 17, notice how long it says the war took. It started twilight of one night and went to the evening of the next night. That's around or over 24 hours. Now, some of you are like, all right, what's that got to do with anything? If you do the math, they've been traveling for nearly a week. They had traveled from Ziklag to Aphek, three days, gone up there, spent some time in Aphek, about to go to war, chapter 29, They get sent back to Ziklag three days, back to Ziklag to find their family gone and the city destroyed. They're not only physically tired, now they're they're emotionally tired and, and completely drained. And then they think of stoning David, all of that situation. Now they travel another day down to the brook Besor and then over that to the Amalekites. So now they've been traveling for at least, at least seven days. You ever gone on a trip where you're driving somewhere every, you know, you're just driving? I think it's crazy, and I still plan it sometimes, to plan a driving vacation. Because those two kind of just don't go together. Especially if there's kids in the car. It's not vacation because you're not relaxing. Yeah, you may get to see some things, but the drive is like, are we there yet? No. How about now? Nope. 
How about now? No, our kids, we have a new thing in our, in our car. We've done it for years. Whenever they ask, how far is it going to be or how long is it going to take, my answer is always two hours. It could be five minutes, and I go two hours. Dad, you always say that. How long is it? Two hours. And I don't know if you've ever traveled somewhere. When you get done traveling like that, you're tired. But can you imagine? We're not talking about traveling in, a, in an SUV with air conditioning, going 75 miles, 80 if you're Hannah, going down the, the freeway. We're not talking about that. No, we're talking about on horseback or on donkey over hard terrain in the, the heat of the days. And yet they get there, and you notice what happens? 24 hours of war. I'll bring that up in just a minute. They recover all. After they recover all, they get back to those 200 that are at the Brook Besor. And a couple of them, they say, hey, uh, why are we going to share the spoil with them? We shouldn't do that. They didn't fight. They don't deserve the blessings. And David says to him in verse number 24, Then David said, You shall not do so, my brethren. And notice what he says. You shall not do so with that which the Lord has given us. Hey, who gave them the ability to fight for 24 hours after they've already traveled for eight days? God. Hey, who brought the Egyptian servant and gave him direction to where the Amalekites were? God. Hey, who, who told them to pursue at the very beginning? God did. Hey, I think David is finally listening. I think David is finally at the place where he's done talking over God. Why? Because he's telling these guys, hey, listen, this wasn't your victory. Hey, this wasn't you. You think that we did this? No, 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 no. God gave us this victory. And so you know what David does? He determines to bless others through the victory God had given him. He determined to bless others through the victory that God uh, left there by the only did David distribute the spoils to those 200 who were uh, left there by the, to tarry by the stuff, the word of God says. But it also helps us see that David distributed. He sent stuff all the way back into Israel. Verse um, 26 to 31 tells us who David sent stuff to. And David's heart was, you shall not do this. He was telling them, hey, you, you're missing a big part of this. The big part is you think the spoil only belongs to those who fought, but the spoil actually belongs to the Lord, and God wants to bless others through us. Now, there are a number of things that David learns. We don't have time to look at all of them, but I'll give them very quickly to you. David learns that blessing follows pursuit. Blessing follows pursuit. You, see the, you'll, you will see the blessings of God when you really begin pursuing his plan and his will. David understood, I don't get his blessings if I'm talking over him. But sometimes the blessings of God are not given the way we think they should. You see, we think if I give a dollar, God should give me two. We think if I pray an hour, God should bless me extra. We think that based upon those things we do, God should answer in response in the same manner. But the truth is that David in this passage, he didn't know what God was going to do. God just made him a promise. Pursue my will and I will take care of it. And can I tell you today that God makes the same promises to you and I. Pursue his will and God will take care of it. 
God blesses when we pursue his will. Can I tell you, God blesses willingness and he delights in steps of faith. In this passage, the person who stayed by the stuff was just as important as the one who went to battle. Right? The guys who stayed by the stuff, the 200, they were just as important as 400, and David knew that. But they didn't have the strength or the God blesses willingness. They were willing to go, but they didn't have the strength or the ability. You know what we do sometimes? We think that God blesses people with abilities more than those without abilities. We'll look at maybe a missionary that comes and we'll think, man, God's really blessed that missionary and he, he hasn't done anything in my life. We'll look at maybe Fountain Senior and we'll say, man, God's blessed him with this and maybe that health and there's some ability there that God's given him that God never gave me. Can I tell you, God doesn't work that way. God says, are you willing? Not are you, do you have the ability? Do you have the strength? God says, are you willing? Are you willing to take steps of faith? Willingness is blessed by God. David also learned the principle that staying by the stuff is just as important part of the battle as the battle is. It's almost like David thought, you know, if we would have left a couple hundred guys at Ziklag in the first place, this wouldn't have happened. I hope today that we're catching some truths and the underlined theme that God blesses when you and I pursue his will. He blesses. He has promises to help us take steps of faith, and he blesses. So here's the the simple challenge I bring, and we're done. Quit talking over God. Start listening to him. What's going to happen? I'll seek him in my decisions. I'll receive his direction, and then I'll enjoy his deliverance, the blessings that come. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.